weird this isn't about looking around, but if you know that there is a chain on your life in some way that holds you back, stand to your feet, we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray the blessing of God. We're just going to pray the power of God to break that chain off in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name right now, God, every chain broken in the name of Jesus. Every chain, every chain of self-limitation, every chain of fear, every chain of doubt, every chain of unbelief, every chain of sickness, every chain of disease. God, anything that is in my life that I can imagine that might hold me back from your full will, God, we break those chains today in the name of Jesus. We are free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Michael, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Come on up. Can I get an usher? Come right on up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for healing. I'm just going to wait for the usher. Come on. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus right now. God, we pray for the healing power of God to flow through his body from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. God, healing, 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 healing power of God flow right now in Jesus' name. Touch him, restore him, God. God, bring back better than before. Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Jesus name. And Father God, right now uh, we pray for uh, Amy Smith's grandfather uh, who's on his way to the hospital Lord God we just pray for healing right now that you be with him that you be with them and God that you just bring healing in his body in Jesus name amen amen glory to God God is good God is good hey I'm super excited there's so much going on we'll get there the message is coming I'm super excited about Engage Groups this semester. Uh, if you just look at your card for a moment, I want to talk to you just a bit. Uh, you'll see the first one there is Worship and Prayer, Wednesday nights at 7. And so starting next Thursday, not this, not this Thursday, starting next Thursday, uh, we're going to have Worship and Prayer every Thursday night. You guys have been coming. You guys have been coming. Some of you guys have been coming out once a month to our corporate prayer. We're going to follow the same format of Worship and Prayer. Anymore. The, the Spirit of God has been fantastic. Uh, just weeping the whole hour. Just the presence of God in the room has been amazing. And so we just want to jump on what the Lord is doing. And we just want to invite His presence. And so we just want to come and sit and be. And so that's just why it's going to be worship and prayer, because, yes, we come and we're going to make our request known to God, but we want to spend ample time just sitting in the presence of the Lord. And that, uh, I just want to also bring your attention to the second one there. I'm doing two small groups this semester, kind of like I did last semester. The second one is a small group on healing. And so this small group is for people who want to pray for others for healing. Just and so if you want healing, stay tuned. We will have healing services. Like, like, healing services are coming. And so once we teach these people how to pray for healing, how to minister healing, then we'll call you all up that are sick and we'll say, hey, come on up. Come on out and we're going to minister healing. So if you want to minister healing, sign up for number two. And you're going to have to purchase two books. They're listed there. The Real Faith by Charles Price and The Essential Guide to Healing for Every Believer. There was just too many words and titles to take them all on. But uh, we'll have those books here next week. Uh, if you need more information about that, send me a little text or, or just get a hold of me. I'll send you the, the pictures for it. you got to get those two books. We're going to be studying from those two books 
and uh, God is going to move. Amen. Amen. We saw a little bit of healing breakout here last year. Uh, George was George's heart was healed. The pacemaker was removed from his body uh, supernaturally, and so we don't take these kinds of things for granted. This is just what the Lord does, and uh, He's going to do more of it. Amen. All right, let's push forward. Uh, acts of kindness. I'm I'm super excited for this acts of kindness series. Listen, if if there's only one thing that we can do as Christians, it's just be kind. Just be kind and do something that's kind for for someone else. And so, what does kindness mean? There's the definition. This is right from the Webster's Dictionary. The quality of being friendly, generous, considerate, and helpful. And this is pretty simple stuff. You don't have to be a rocket scientist in order to be friendly. You don't have to have your PhD in order to be generous. You don't have to have read your whole Bible in order to be considerate. There's no requirement. The only requirement is a right heart before God and others. All right. I'm digging my hole already. Are we kind? Do we show kindness? Is this a regular response of our heart and of our life? Or do we tend to show other types of responses rather than kindness? I want to begin with this story. Uh, I really just, I want to launch off right here, Luke 10, and we're going to read the parable of the Good Samaritan. Because if there was ever a story about kindness, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. So let's just jump in here. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus. Now, the lawyer is an expert in the Jewish law. Tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so the lawyer answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus and, and he said to him, you have answered rightly. Jesus answered him and said, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You had to ask. You know? I mean, we could have been let off the hook just by the misclarification of who actually is my neighbor. But the lawyer had to ask. He had to ask. He had to drill a little bit deeper and say, who is my neighbor? So who, what, what does it really mean that I love my neighbor? Who do I have to love? Jesus is what he's asking. So Jesus tells the story. You know, out of the, out of the I think it's like uh, 327 or 427 questions that Jesus was asked directly, he, uh, he, that he was asked, he only gave three or four direct answers. Right? Every other time he's telling a story or he's giving a parable or he comes back with a question to a question. And so this is one of those times where he doesn't answer directly. He tells a story. And then at the end, we're going to see he turns it back around. He asks, he asks the lawyer. And so who is, who is the one? Who, is, who was the neighbor? Begin, uh, continuing in verse 30. Then Jesus answered, A certain man went down from Jer- Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came by and looked and passed by on the other side. Now, let's just hold up for a minute here. Uh, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho descends down 3,000 feet over 15 miles. And so 
if you, in case you don't know, that's, that's, it goes downhill the whole way. Um, they would have gone through canyons and valleys. You know, there would have been some ravines that it was going through. And so this would have been the perfect place for robbers and bandits to hang out and to jump people. And so it says that a, a priest and a Levite came by and they saw him. And so we got to remember that the man who was, who was robbed is half dead, half dead, right? So they're walking by this half dead guy and they see him and they're like, hmm. Right, and so what would what would possess the, the the priest and the Levite to keep going and not offer help? What would possess them to say, ah, I don't really want to touch that. I don't really want to get involved here. See, if we understand the law, if the the Levite or the priest, Levites were those who helped the priests in the temple duties, right? So they were like a the priest is the one who ministers before the Lord. The Levites are like helpers to the priests. They work in the temple too, right? And so if either one of them were to come over and say, hey man, are you alive? And he's dead, defilement. Defilement, immediately. They can't go into the temple for a whole week. They can't eat of the sacrifices for a whole week. So they have no place to go. They have nothing to eat. In order to be cleansed from the defilement of touching the dead body, they have to pay uh, a certain amount of money for whatever it was that the sacrifice was in order for the purification process was. They actually had to buy uh, a red heifer and ashes in order to purify themselves. So there's cost involved here just to get clean from the event of touching a dead body. Not to mention that if they were the one who found the dead body, that they have to take care of the burial of the dead body. And so the priest and the Levite see this guy. They're not sure if he's alive. They're not sure if he's dead. They're like, man, that's going to cost me a bit. That's going to cost me some time. That's going to interfere with my life. I might not be able to go to work for a week. And so they pass by on the other side. Now, I've heard this. I've only ever heard this. I haven't found this and read it uh, in any kind of a, a text. But to pass by on the other side. Imagine, if you will, a road, right? Two lanes, right? And so the dead body's over here on this side. And I'm walking down, and I see it. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go over here because I'm on this side of the road. And now I don't have any responsibility because I'm on the other side of the street. Follow me? That's what passed by on the other side. Now, I haven't really actually found that in text. But they, they saw what was coming, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to jump over here, and I'm going to not pay attention to that. This is what the priests and the Levites are doing. But a certain Samaritan, We just asked who our neighbor was, and Jesus brings race relations into the equation. No kidding. This is, this is real stuff. Samaritans were viewed as second-class citizens. The, the Jews did not like the Samaritans. The Samaritans did not like the Jews. Uh, the, the Samaritans had intermarried a bit, and the Jews were like, that's not good. The Samaritans, at John chapter 4, the, he's talking to the woman at the the woman at the well, and she's a Samaritan. She says, you Jews say that Jerusalem's the place to worship, and we Samaritans believe that here's the place to worship. What do we do? And so there's this division going on, and so even in Jesus' day, there was division amongst the people. There was division amongst the nations, just like we see today. And, you know, it would be one thing if Jesus were to have the men who fell among thieves be a Samaritan, right? And there's a Jew helping a, a Samaritan because then that's like, 
oh yeah, we Jews, we got it all together. But no, he flips the script, and here's the Samaritan who they thought what who the Jewish people thought. I'm not saying that any, any of this is, that, that that there are any. There's no such thing as a second class citizen. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Jesus sees us all the same. He sees every tribe, tongue, and nation as the same. We're all we all have the we're all the same at the foot of the cross. No one has anything on anyone else. Zero. We all start with zero. Bring everything you have. It's all trash. We all are the same. We all bleed the same. Now, where is even going? Here comes the Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, as he came and journeyed and came where he was. Now, this is where we're going to slow the story down a bit. And we're going to look at every single word because every single word here is important. The Samaritan was on a journey. This shows that there's movement in his life. He's not just sitting home. He's not just afraid of the robbers. He's going down the same trail where this other guy got jumped. And so he's going into, I mean, we could say maybe some sketchy places. There's movement in his life. He's out there and about there and he's doing stuff. And he comes to the place. He wasn't afraid of the thieves. He wasn't afraid of the COVID. He comes to the place. God, break fear right now in Jesus' name. He comes to the place. And it says, and when he saw him, listen, he saw him. How many times? Walking down the street. I see nothing. I see nothing. I see nothing. Father, we need to put our phone down. We need to put your phone down. You need to put your phone down. I can't tell you the number of times pre-COVID. I haven't been out to dinner much since. I can't tell you the number of times that I've gone out to dinner and I've seen groups of people, families sitting together at tables, and they're all on their phones. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're, we're getting together and meeting with people, and we're on our own devices, being with everybody else while we're supposed to be together. And so I know people that leave their phones in their cars when they go and eat. Great idea. I've made it a regular, a regular habit to leave my phone on my desk when I sit down at the dinner table. And so it's actually happened. Pastor Tom has texted me like 7 or 8 o'clock. Right? I sat down. And we sat down for dinner at, at 4. I put my phone on the desk. And then he texts me at 7 or 8 o'clock, which is a normal hour, right? And then I'm, we're just fellowship and the family. And we're throwing cornhole and, you know, the whole nine. And we're just loving on one another. And then 10.30 rolls around, and I'm like, whoops. So listen, if, if you text me and I don't text you back right away, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, don't be offended. Don't be offended. I don't want to be offended. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. Don't be offended. It's just a text. I'm just hanging out with someone else. I'm just really living life. I'm just really loving on somebody. I'm in a meeting and I'm talking with somebody and I can't be disrupted by your text or your phone call right now. I know that we feel like we have to be ultimately connected technologically to everybody all the time. We don't. Put it down. Turn it off. Turn your phone off for a whole day. Oh. People, people just shuddered in the room. 
to see what the Spirit is doing. Jesus said, they have eyes, but they do not see. How many times do we walk down the street and we just don't see anything? Pray that God would open your eyes and you would see the people in front of you and that you would see the need that's in front of you. See the need. We need to see the need. And he had compassion. Man, we have, to, we have to have compassion. We have to be a people that are motivated by compassion. We talk about, we look at, the, we look at what Jesus did. It says he, was, he, he got the news. I mean, it's repeated. But he got the news that John the Baptist died. He's super sad. And he's like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go spend some time by myself. And this whole big, big crowd of people follow him. And he's about to go up the mountain. And he looks at the people and it says he had compassion on them and he healed them all. And he spent hours there until darkness so that he could just continue to pray. Why? Because of the compassion. Compassion needs to be our primary motivating factor in everything that we do. Hold up. I said that compassion needs to be our primary motivating factor in everything we do. Everything we do must be motivated from compassion. Otherwise, it's in vain. Otherwise, it's in vain. We can't, we can't minister out of disdain or disgust or this, this superiority or anything other than compassion. When we minister out of some other uh, context, we miss the mark. We miss the mark. We're doing it for the wrong reasons. We need to pray that the love of God would fill our hearts and that, as Paul says, the love of Christ would compel us, that it would grip our hearts strongly and pull us into places that we don't even really want to go, that we might help someone else. If you don't have compassion, just pray that God would give you compassion. Pray that prayer. God, take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. We have to not confuse compassion with sympathy. Compassion and sympathy are not the same thing. Sympathy feels for another person, but it has no solution. Compassion has a similar feel for another they see the issue. They see the problem. The heart is motivated, but there's a, there's a solution at the end of the problem, and the solution is Jesus. The solution is whatever God's solution is. And so don't pray that God would give you a sympathetic heart. Pray that God would give you a compassionate heart. And if you have a sympathetic heart, pray that God would transform it into a compassionate heart. Because if we're sympathetic, then we miss the mark too. So he went to him. Again, there's action. There's action. See a problem, meet a problem. See a need, meet a need. He went to him. 
He, the, the Samaritan had all of the same issues as the priest and the Levite. He touches that dead body. Same deal. They had a separate temple. The Bible tells us. And so then he can't go in. And he's got to pay for the burial of the dead body. And he's got to pay for the ritual sacrifice cleansing. And he's got to... On and on and on and on. All of the same problems. All of the same issues. All of the same... It cost you something. Kindness costs you something. But it's worth it every time. You went to him, pouring on oil and wine. So this is just, he bandaged him and, and pouring on oil and wine. So he ripped bandages. Maybe he ripped it from his own clothing. Maybe he had some in his pack. I don't know. Doesn't really tell us. But somehow he got some bandages. He wrapped them up. He poured in the oil and the wine. This is the medicine of the day. The, the wine had the disinfecting effect, however small. That's what they did back then. And then the oil, the oils to smooth the wounds so that they don't hurt so much. And so he's doing all of this. He's studying his own stuff that he's got in his own pack because everything he had was gone. Pouring in the oil and the wine. And he sent him on his own animal. Listen, he, now he's taking responsibility. He is no longer asking, what is the least that I should do for this guy? He is saying, what would I want this guy to do for me if it was me laying on the ground half dead? turning point here. Maybe he didn't feel that way when he first saw him on the ground. Maybe when he first saw him on the ground, he's like, well, let me see what I can do. And maybe his heart was changed even as he began to help him. But at this point, he's taking him and he's putting him on his own animal. He's like, I just, I'm owning this. What if that was me? What if I was half dead? What would I want somebody to do for me? As we walk down the street, and we see people. And God begins to open our eyes. And we truly begin to see the need. Everyone has a need. Yeah. You're going to see a thousand people tomorrow. Maybe you won't see that many. You know, COVID. Maybe you won't see that many. You're going to see people tomorrow. Every single person that you see will have a need. Everyone. I'm not saying that you can meet every need. And I'm not saying that God has you to meet every need for every person that you meet. But if your eyes are open, you'll see them. Too often, we're distracted. Too often, we're not looking. He's all in at this point. He brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. It's all in. Whatever his schedule was for that day, not happening. Maybe the Samaritan's on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. 15 miles do that in a day. I don't know how far. It doesn't tell us how far along the trail he was before he got robbed. Not happening. Samaritan's not making it today. You're on your way to the grocery store? Not today. Not today. You're on your way to the, I don't know, neighbor's house, friend's house, family's house, vacation? Not today. Not today. Cost them. There may be a cost involved. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. The generosity. Right? We talked about the definition of kindness, to be friendly, to be generous, to be compassionate, and to be helpful. He's already been helpful. Now he's more than generous. Not only did he put him on his own animal, he took all of his time. He knows what it's going to cost him. He brings him to the inn. He pays for his room at the inn. And he pays the innkeeper to take care of him 
for another two weeks, let's say, and when he comes back, I'll pay whatever else it was that he needed. <laughs> no, I got this. We can all be generous. Listen, you may not have a big uh, paycheck at the end of the week. It doesn't mean you can't be generous. We're giving stuff away this afternoon. Halfway decent stuff. It's just generous. We just, want to, we, just, we just want somebody else to have it because we can't use it anymore. And so maybe, I don't know. I mean, there's all different kinds of ways that you can be generous. It doesn't even have to be monetary. Maybe you've got, you know, a sandwich that you can split in half and, get, and you know, share with somebody at some point. Maybe you can buy somebody a cup of coffee. Maybe you can pay for somebody's coffee that's behind you. Maybe you can buy somebody's groceries. Maybe you can, I don't know, Eddie, just be creative. Give away something that you have that you're not using to somebody who needs it. Share. Simple, man. Simple. Simple. And so here we go. Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he says, the lawyer says, he who showed mercy on him. It's interesting that the lawyer couldn't bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He's a Samaritan. Jesus told the story, he was a Samaritan. Why did the lawyer turn around and say, he who showed mercy? It's interesting. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. So Jesus sets us up, the lawyer set us up. Jesus tells this story, right, why did he have it? The lawyer sets us up. Jesus tells this story of the good Samaritan and all that he had done, and then he turns around and he says, go and do that. Go and, there you go. There's the example. Go. There it is. And so who is our neighbor? Who's our neighbor? Let's back up for a minute. This guy's walking down the street. And there's some strange person of another nationality laying on the ground. I'm sure he does not know him from Adam. There is no way, well, I mean, there could be a way. But there's probably no way in the world that this guy walking down the street knows this guy laying on the ground. Who's our neighbor? Anyone that we see that's in need. Definition, define. Anyone that we see who's in need. The Samaritan showed kindness. He was friendly. He did what a friend would do. He was generous. He paid his expenses. He, he invested a lot into what was going on here. He was considerate. He bundled them up. You know, what would I want them to do for me? Being considerate. He was helpful. He was a lot of help. He gave him a lot of help. He couldn't have done it on his own. This guy who fell among thieves couldn't have done it on his own. The Samaritan schedule was interrupted a bit. Sometimes when we choose to be kind, our schedules are going to be interrupted a bit. He was sidetracked from his original destination. Jesus. Jesus. You know, sometimes it's going to cost us something in terms of dying to self. Let me go backwards. There's something that I put in my notes that I can't find. Okay, we'll get to that. 
Is this, is this a slide we're on? Yes, go and do lessons. The cost was beyond monetary, although that was there too. There was, there was, this was very inconvenient to the Samaritan. How inconvenient was it to the man who fell among thieves? This, was a, this is very inconvenient. We can look at the story and say, man, that Samaritan, man, he was really put out. I'm really going to be put out if I stop to help people. What about the guy who fell among thieves? Yo, his life was interrupted. We don't know that he did anything deserving of being beat up and his stuff stolen. Probably didn't. His life was interrupted. But the Samaritan comes by and he, he forgets what his own problems are. He forgets what his own needs are. He forgets about what he wants for the day. He desires to have happen. He forgets all about himself and he thinks only about the other. It didn't cost him a whole day. He was on his way. He stops to help this guy. He brings him to the inn. They stay the night. It's not until the next day that he finally departs. It costs him a whole day. At the end of self, God is waiting every time. At the end of self, God is waiting every single time. If we could just, this is the hardest thing in the Christian life. If we could just come to the end of ourselves and put selfishness behind us and put selfishness aside, we would see God move. We would see the power of God move every single time. Every single time, without fail. God moves when we move ourselves from the equation. This isn't just one story. Where we're saying, you know, hey, we need to deny ourselves. We need to forget about selfish, right? If anyone wants to follow me, let him pick up his cross and deny himself and follow me. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I must decrease that he may increase. Come on. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. All of these scriptures are saying the same thing. Get over yourself. Stop thinking so selfishly. And I know that this is hard. Years ago, way back, I was saved maybe three years, maybe five. I remember my good friend at the time said to me, said, talking about the scripture where it says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him pick up his cross, deny himself and follow me. And he says, this is the hardest scripture we have to do. It's really hard for us to deny ourselves. To deny ourselves of what we want. To deny ourselves and allow ourselves to be inconvenienced. To deny ourselves of to give our stuff away. To do all of these things that Jesus told us to do. We have to get us out of the equation. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And when, when I get rid of myself, God comes. We're going to read this book. Uh, and so I, I just skip, I'm skimming through it. I skimmed through it because I want to be sure that these were the ones that I wanted you guys to pick up for the healing course. And it says in there, uh, and I, we'll, we'll talk about it in the group, but it says in there, it says, uh, there are many sick people who would just be healed if they would just serve someone else. Wow. 
which comes right back to selfishness. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be servant. Now, I will cookies, listen, don't, without understanding all of the context of that statement, don't beat the guy up who wrote the book because you, know, you got to understand where he's coming from. He said, there are those few people out of the masses that are given more towards selfishness that their healing would come if they would simply just serve someone else. Yeah, it's real. Selfishness has to go. Selfishness always gets in the way of what God wants to accomplish. Think about it just for a moment. A great move of God begins to happen and suddenly stands up and says, yeah, right? And somebody starts to take credit for it. All of a sudden, smash, gone, out, done. Selfishness got in the way and God shut it down. No one will get glory other than God. No one will ever get glory other than God. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Glory to God. Romans 12, 9 through 11 says this. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, not lagging in zeal. Come on, be fervent in spirit. Come on, somebody better get passionate about Jesus up here. Somebody better start to get excited about God and start to wear it on the outside and your expression should be fervent. Not lagging in diligence. Come on, we need to be zealous in a good way for a good thing. It says in Isaiah, it says uh, the government shall be upon his shoulders and all of that good stuff, right? Jesus is going to rule and reign and blah, 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 and a rod of iron and dash the... And it says, and the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Where is your zeal? Come on, somebody get excited. I get a little excited when we start to worship God. A little bit. Get a little excited. Because I am passionate about God, I understand what he's done for me. I will refuse. I will become even more undignified than this, David says. Listen, you've seen nothing yet. Wait until you got to peel me off the ceiling. <laughs> Taking out ceiling tiles. We need maintenance. We need maintenance in here. We guys, Be passionate. Be passionate. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Does that sound like it's calm and reserved? It doesn't sound like it's calm and reserved to me. It sounds like they're about to, you know, about to break the chains, people. It sounds like somebody's about to get free. Serving the Lord. Here we come right back to serving. Man, servant's heart keeps you humble. So kindness, guys. Acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. We just need to be friendly. It's that simple. What was the definition? Friendly. Generous. 
considerate, and helpful. We just need to be friendly. We need to, we need to stop with all the hate. When words come out of our mouth, what stops the hate? Friendliness stops the hate. Love stops the hate. Love is stronger than hate every single time. Love will kill hate. Every single word that comes out of our mouth should be friendly. Why would we ever want to speak hateful words? Why would we ever want to speak hateful words? Hateful words are from the enemy. We need to stop the hate because if we Christians don't do it, no one else will. Media is not going to stop the hate. They thrive on it. They're thriving on it. We need to, we need to stop the hate. We need to be the ones who are friendly. We, are, we need to be the ones showing love. We need to be generous. We need to be generous. And whatever that means is whatever that means. I don't need to lay it out for you what it means to be generous. We all need to be generous. And I'm not talking about giving money to the church. We need to be generous to others beyond what you give here. Thank you for what you give here. You guys are more than generous. But we need to continue to be generous. And we need to be generous and show our generosity to others who are not in this room right now. Buy breakfast for somebody. Buy breakfast for a police officer. Buy coffee for the guys in, the line, in, in, in line behind you. Military men and women. I do this. I do all this stuff. You have to grocery store. Somebody can't afford their groceries. Just buy the groceries. We need to be considerate. To be considerate is to be thoughtful of the rights and the feelings of others. pretty easy. We have to be intentional about doing that. This is desperately needed in today's day and age. People are so inconsiderate, and all you got to do is drive down the street to know that people are inconsiderate. Running red lights, people flipping people off, and I mean, it's just terrible. It's not considerate. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how inconsiderate they become. I'm going to continue to be considerate. I'm going to continue to let people go in front of me. I'm going to continue to have, have compassion and be considerate for other people. Because I need to be the example. No one else is going to do it. We just need to be helpful. Guys, it's so simple. See a need, meet a need. Opens the door. Pastor Tom's like jumping up and down on the inside every time I see him. How can I help? Ask yourself. You see someone say, how can I help? What can I do? How can I help? If you don't know, if no answer comes, get a hold of Just ask them. But how can I help? Elizabeth, how can I help? Zach, how can I help? Buffy, how can I help? How can I help? It's a super simple procedure, guys. See someone, you feel that there's a need there. Hey, how can I help? And then be ready to meet the need. I'm not saying you gotta, you know, give somebody a thousand dollars if they need a thousand dollars and you that's like the last thousand dollars. I mean, if God speaks to you and says to do this, then that's fine, but I'm not saying that you gotta do that. But they may say, Hey, I need a thousand dollars, and you'd be like, Listen, you know what? I don't have a thousand dollars. Peter said this. Silver and gold I do not have, but such as I have, I give unto you. Come on. 
see a need, meet a need. Peter and John walking up to the temple, they see this lame beggar man. They saw the need, and they met the need, but they didn't meet the need that the beggar man thought that he was going to meet. They met the need that he really needed. They met the spiritual need, and they met the physical need, and they healed him in Jesus' name by the power of God. Why? Because they were being kind. The power of God breaks out because they're being kind. It began with kindness. If there wasn't kindness, there would have never been healing. If there wasn't kindness, there would have, there would have never been repentance. How can I help? Four-word question. How can I help? How can I help? Being kind is not difficult. As we've already looked, we've seen, this is super simple, guys. It just takes a dying to self. It takes a dying to our schedule. It takes us willing to be inconvenienced. It takes us willing to put our own stuff on hold so that we can help someone else. Amen? Hey, listen, pull out your engage card for a minute. On, the, on your engage card, it says, this week I will. Number one, beware of my surroundings. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't even see a need as you go through your daily week. Maybe... Because I was here, guys. I mean, let's be honest. We've all been here, and there's days that I go back here where I'm so busy with my own schedule that I run through things, and I never see anyone, and I never see a need. And so maybe this is you, and maybe this week you need to be aware of your surroundings so that you can see the need. The second one there, guys, maybe you see the needs. And you could very, it's very possible. You see the needs, and you're like, I don't have time for that. I can't help with that. I'm too busy. I'm too this. I'm too that. I can never. Oh, be compassionate. I understand that people are afraid. I understand that because there's a lot to be afraid of. I understand that. And so I'm not angry at those people that are afraid. I'm compassionate towards them. And I want to do whatever I can do to assuage their fears. I want to help them with their fears. But if I go running up, somebody's all fearful in their mask and shield and T-neck suit. And I go running up with no mask, dude, I'm just going to pour on the fear. And they're going to go running the other way. Put on your mask. Go up. Pray for them. Pray for the Pray for the power of the enemy of fear to be broken over their lives. Amen. And then maybe you can have a, a calm conversation. And I'm using one example. You, there's a bazillion examples here, guys. Meet them where they're at. Where are they at? Be compassionate. Why are they the way they are? There's a reason why everybody is the way they are. Something happened to you. Something happened to me. Something happened to them. And we responded. Maybe it's that they're, they're watching, you know, 30, 40 hours of news every week and they're fearful. I'd be fearful if I watched that much news. That's what they concentrate on. And so, for whatever reason, they are the way they are. They're hurt. And so, we're ministers of reconciliation. We're ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We bring salvation, which means that we heal the spirit, soul, and the body. And so, 
in order to be a minister of reconciliation, in order to bring the gospel to somebody, in order to bring the good news, we need to be kind. We need to be considerate of where they're at. Listen, I, I'm not going to judge them for where they're at because I don't know what happened to them. And I don't even, I mean, I don't, I don't want to know, but I may need to know if I'm going to bring healing. I may not need to know because God can heal even if I don't know. And so situation dictates. Sometimes they're going to tell me my, their story, and sometimes I'm going to listen. Sometimes they're just going to say, oh, I've been through some stuff, and I'm going to say, can I pray for you? Not knowing anything. And it happened just this week. Somebody told me a story. They're praying for somebody that they hadn't met before, and all of a sudden they start to pray for everything going on in this person's life. And they turn to their other friend that's in place, and they're like, did you tell him about me? No, I didn't tell him nothing. He didn't even know your name before he walked in this room. How is that possible? Because God knows. Glory to God. Listen, if you're here today and you hear what I'm saying and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, see, we just read this story about Jesus giving us the example of how we're to go, how we're to walk, how we're to do. But it's in His power that we go. It's in his glory that we go. It's in his strength that we're allowed that we can even be kind. How do I be kind? Because I get grace from God and then I can be kind. And so if you're here today and you like what I'm saying and you want to be like Jesus but you've never felt the power before because you don't have that relationship with him, I want to pray for you that you would have a relationship with Jesus. See, it's really simple. We have sin in our lives that separates us from God. When we sin, it separates us from God. But God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to make a way to cover our sins, to remove our sins, so that we can have fellowship with God, that we can have grace from Him to live the way that He's encouraging us, guiding us, telling us to live. And so if you've never prayed a prayer and come into relationship with Jesus, I want to pray a prayer right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, if that's you today and you want that relationship, just pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come and live inside my heart. Give me grace and strength to be kind to others. Help me to live for you all of the days of my life. Amen. If that's you and you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do uh, just one thing, and that's to check the box. It says, today I... Follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you today and you just prayed that prayer, check that box. I'm going to send you some information that explains the decisions that you've made, the decision that you've made. If you're watching online, uh, just send me an email at redeeminglovechurch.org. Info at redeeminglovechurch.org. Thank you. And uh, I will email you back and we will uh, encourage you, send you the same information of what it means to make that decision for Christ and what your next steps are.